Life Church podcast. Today we're carrying on in our boot camp sermon series. We're talking about how when God had the Israelites cross over the Jordan River with Joshua leading them, the Ark of the Covenant in the water, pushing the waters back. When they got to the other side, God told them to take some rocks and build a monument because he really wanted them to remember what he'd done for them. And there's real power in being able to declare what God has done for you and declaring it into the generations. And that's what we're looking at today. Declare. Uh, last week, we had Pastor Carl. Pastor Carl uh, took us through uh, Disembark. And uh, the whole, uh, in one of the groups, I think the, the, the girls in the pre-show, they kind of um, asked the question that we asked in, in, in the small groups. What, what's been your favorite so far? And I don't know, like we did, uh, we, we've done a, a few of them now, but I don't know what, something's just really resonating in my heart. Something that's just really, I'm really connecting with right now is the fact that I feel like we corporately, and the way that I, I've spoke to some people as well, and I just know that this is true of individuals as well, we're like on the precipice of transitioning into something. You know, and, and it's not just the fact that we're looking at a, at a building and we're moving and we're only here kind of transitory, but it just feels like in the spirit, it feels like in the, in the rhythms of life that we're in this moment as a corporate body. And many people here, I mean, if this resonates with you, amen, but there, there, there's, there's just something where we're, we're on the verge of transition. There, there's a new season that we can all kind of feel and, and, and just are kind of aware of. I don't know whether it's like, you know, a new job. I don't know whether it's just the, the natural rhythms of life. We're coming into Christmas. I don't know, but it just feels right. It feels like something's about to move, something's about to shift, something's about to pop. And you know what? I feel like God is really, really behind that. I feel like if, if that's something that's resonating in your heart and resonating in your spirit, grab hold of that and run with it. Because God speaks a word into our lives, and, and, and there's, a, there's a rhema word that comes, and there's things that sometimes we have to war with. And we're, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it when we get going through Joshua a little bit more, but sometimes you got to recognize those moments, and you got to respond. Sometimes there's, a, there's something on the inside of you that says, change is coming, I'm bringing you into something, something different is on the horizon, it's just right there, maybe you can see it, maybe you can feel it, maybe you can touch it. Grab hold of that on the inside and say, yes. I'll have some of that. Yes, that's the word of the Lord. There's grace from God right now to move us and transition us. And sometimes the thing about transitions is that they're very narrow places. See, that, that river, and Pastor Carl talks about this. This isn't in my notes. This is for free for whoever wants it. But the river was very, very long. Like there's, there's a whole bunch of different places across that river where you could have crossed. But God said, I want you all to cross in one spot. Transitions can be narrow. They can feel like you're hemmed in. You can feel like you've got no options. You can feel like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know where we're going. I feel like all of my options are limited. But often when God's going to take you across something, it's at a concentrated point. If you think about uh, in, in military terms, you know, if you study any of the great battles in history, oftentimes there's a front. There's a, there's a, a place where the fighting is happening, and sometimes it can stretch miles and miles and miles wide. It can be across a whole country sometimes. They call it the front. And oftentimes when there's going to be a breakthrough, there's what's called the concentration of forces. They come together at one spot, and they break through. So sometimes, I'm telling you, if you feel like you're in a tight spot right now, you feel like you're, there's transition ahead, but everything feels like it's hemming you in, that could be God's setup for a miraculous breakthrough onto the other side, because that's how it works. That seems to be how God does it, and that's certainly how God did it with these guys. They could, could have crossed them over the Jordan River at any point, at any time. And we heard this last week with Pastor Carl's sermon. Uh, God is taking us through the impassable and the impossible into what he has promised us. 
He's got a promise for us. He's got something, a preferred future for each of us, for our lives as individuals, for us as families, for people. I mean, it's a sad thing to not live with hope. And I hope that something, I hope that hope is alive in your heart. And I hope that you've got a vision and a picture for something that God wants to do in your life. And if you don't, I pray that somehow today, even right now, the Spirit of God would speak to you and communicate something to you and show you there's a preferred future for you. There's something on the other side. There's something good that God has promised you. There's a good thing for you. God says, I'm going to give you a future and a hope. And I can bring you into it. And the testimony of the scriptures is not only does God have a good thing for you, but he has the power and he has the ability to bring you into it. And what we're going to learn today, one of the things we got to do is we got to remember. We got to remember the past times when God's delivered us and when God's done something significant in our lives. We got to hold on to that. I mean, I'm listening to, to Chuck share and I can think of specific times in my life where I've stepped out and I've let go of something. And wow, all of a sudden, something significant has come back into my life in a way that I didn't see, couldn't imagine, didn't expect. All I had was a, a promise. And I said amen to that promise. And wow, stuff came back to me, almost like Moses' mom. I haven't got paid yet to raise my kids, but uh, <laughs> my wife's staring at me like, you raise our kids? <laughs> she does a great job. But there's, there's a promise, guys. There's something on the other side that we're crossing over into. And God is able. And when you can remember those things from your past, then you can kind of use that as a springboard to push into the future. You know, sometimes you, you, you go through seasons of life and you're, you feel very disconnected from a happy moment that you had in the past. You've walked with God. You've seen him do things in the past. And then life happens. Things go on. Maybe you, you disconnect from church. Maybe you, you feel like you've done something so awful that you just can't carry on with God. And it feels like there's a disconnect between where you are and where you once were. Do you know in God that disconnect doesn't exist? Do you know the only place that disconnect exists is in our heads? He didn't go anywhere. He didn't go anywhere. So when you can remember and declare the good things that God has done for you in the past, when you can remember, hey, this is where I once was, you know, I once was there, you can start to speak those things over your life, and all of a sudden the present reality starts to change and shift, and you remember, hey, I didn't lose anything. Didn't he promise us and say, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? Right? He's still with us. We didn't go anywhere. Only in our minds did we create this thing called distance. It doesn't exist. There's no distance between us and God. There's no gap. There's no chasm between where he wants you and where you are. There's no good old days that you can't step right back into right now. Because the reality is the goodness you experienced in the past was Christ in you. It was God with you, and he hasn't left you. So I don't know who needs to hear that today, but I'll tell you what. The best days are not in the past. The future for you is not just limited to remembering those good times and trying to bring them back. God is not thinking, hey, you walked away from me and you left me. That's not something God is saying. If you're hearing that, command it to go. That's not the voice of Jesus. He says, I will never leave you and never forsake you. You cannot fall out of his hand. You can convince yourself you have, but it doesn't make it true. So there's an invitation today to open your eyes, to open your heart, and to be open to the fact that God is with me just the way he was in the past. Whoever needs that, take it.
Last week, we looked at the story, okay? So we're, we're reading through Joshua, and we got to the point of the story last week where they, they've got to the edge of the river. God has said, in three days, you're going to cross over. And then he encounters Joshua, and he says, you know what? Behold, the ark of the Lord uh, is going to uh, cross over before you. And so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan, when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the Lord and those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the priests of the, the, who were carrying the Ark stepped into the water, the water parted at the river, it opened up into dry ground, and the people were able to cross through to the other side. And the miraculous, crazy thing about this is that at the time when this happened, at the time of harvest, the Jordan River, which otherwise you might be able to jump over, was actually swollen to the point where it could be a mile wide. And we heard last week Pastor Carl talk about how the, the currents of that river, they, they've said, you know, sometimes it could go 20 to 40 miles per hour. That's pretty dangerous. And God said, you know what, I want you to cross over at that dangerous time. It's going to be at an impossible time. It's going to look when everything's impassable. That's when I'm going to take you over. And so the priests, they stepped into the water and carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which we again heard last week was uh, actually the star of the show. The Ark of the Covenant being a, a representative of, of Jesus, kind of a type and a shadow of Jesus. And the story is this. When Jesus stepped into our metaphorical river of death, of sickness, of debt, of disease, of darkness, of bad things, just like the ark went into the river and the waters got pushed back, Jesus actually stepped into our metaphorical, impossible, impassable situations and drove them back so we could cross over onto dry ground. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it tells us that... Uh, Oh, sorry, I'm getting all lost in my notes here. It tells us that these things, the things that we're hearing about in the book of Joshua, they happened as examples. They were written for our admonition on whom the ends of the ages have come. So this story is for us. There's something God wants to communicate through the story of Joshua crossing over that's for us. And of course, in the New Testament days, we can look back and say that story found its fulfillment in Jesus. It's inspiring. It helps us in our moment of transition that God has actually brought us all to. But you know what? We can actually have the power and the strength in our lives to transition through narrow places well when we realize that Jesus was actually the one who stepped into our waters, pushed them back, made dry land for us, and we in Christ have actually crossed over already. So he entered into our Jordan. He entered into all of the impossible and passable situations that you find yourself in or you feel are staring you in the face. He went down into death. He went down into sickness, into poverty, into the curse, into the depths of human degradation. He stepped down into those things so that we could cross from death to life without being harmed and swept away by them. That's good news. Here's the trick. When you cross the river, don't turn around and look at it again. You've crossed over that obstacle already. What you need to do is remember that he got you across it. What you need to do is remember that, that those waters have been pushed back. We're not going to be like the Israelites who are wandering around for years and years and years, the same problems, the same troubles over and over and over again. If that's been part of your history, you know what? The grace of God is here today to cause you to see and to realize that in Christ Jesus, the thing that you think is holding you back has already been defeated and broken. Done deal. The problem is sometimes we don't, we don't believe it. So the challenge is faith. The challenge is understanding. But Jesus Christ has taken us from one side to the other already. He's already defeated those things. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk really quick about declare. What happens when you get to the other side? What happens when your eyes open and you realize, oh, my goodness, Jesus has delivered me already? 
What happens to you when you get to the other side and you say, wow, I'm in a moment of incredible breakthrough. I realize that thing that's been plaguing me my whole life, Jesus has defeated it. And you find yourself standing in that wide open space the Bible calls, that place of grace where the things that once hounded you, you have a moment of faith and a moment of clarity and you say, that stuff is not getting me anymore. What happens? That can be a very nerve-wracking moment. Believe it or not, freedom and blessings and joy can sometimes trigger difficulty in people's lives when people don't know how to deal with it. I mean, it's just kind of a, a psychological condition of humanity. Some, sometimes the blessing and the joy can be equally nerve-wracking as the hardship. Sometimes people step into something good and all of a sudden the voice that comes is, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. This good thing that came, it's going to go. I'm going to lose it. What do I got to do to try and keep this thing that God gave me? And all of a sudden you're experiencing just as much anxiety about how to keep this thing as you were trying to get it in the first place. That's just a, that's just a truth of human psychology. So what do you do when you cross over? What, what are we going to do when we experience in our personal lives God taking us from the impossible and the impassable over into that place that we actually feel like he's destined for us to be? And what do we do when we realize, oh, my goodness, my struggle is over. Sin shall not have dominion over me. I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. What do I do when I realize by his stripes I am healed? What do I do when I cross over and I realize those things that have been plaguing me, that demonic issue, that thing's gone? What do I do? What identity do I have when the thing that shaped my identity and my family, I realize it's broken? What do I do? Well, the Israelites are going to show us here. Joshua chapter 4, 1 to 7. It came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one from every tribe, and command them saying, Take for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the, free, the priest's feet stood firm. You should carry them with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. So Joshua called the 12 men whom he'd appointed. Sorry, I'm trying to keep up in my notes. And he said, basically, cross over, guys. Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan. Each one of you take up a stone on your shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. And this will be a sign among you when your children ask in the time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? You'll answer them and you'll tell them the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the Lord of God when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. In other words, he says, you know what, you're going to cross over. They cross over, and he says, I want you to grab one person from each of the 12 tribes, so 12 men. I want you to go back into the river where the priests were standing holding the ark. I want you to grab a stone each, come back to the side that you crossed over on, and I want you to build a monument. I want you to build a monument that, of remembrance. This is going to be a memorial. This is going to be something, ultimately, that's meant to declare something. Whenever you look at this thing, when your kids look at this thing in the future, what's going to happen is you're going to remember that it was the Lord your God who crossed you over. You're going to remember the power of God that acted on your behalf, and you're going to be able to say to the generation yet to come, this is what God did for me. This is what God did for you. God did this, not me. And because God did it, it's a sure thing. It's a done deal. It's eternal. It's settled. It can't go back. He's not going back on his word. So we got to remember. We got to remember. And the, the sad tragedy is if you don't, something bad can happen. Uh, it's tragic, but in the book of Joshua, or sorry, Judges, it says, when all the generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for them. Isn't that tragic? 
Joshua takes a whole generation of people. They experience this miracle. They get to the other side. They fight. They battle. They take the promised land. And then his kids and their kids don't get taught about Jesus. How tragic. And sadly, that actually happens today. People and movements experience incredible things from God, but somehow there's a lack of transference from one generation to the next. And it says, then the, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals. They served the gods of the people that they got brought into. Why? Because they forgot the Lord. They forsook him and followed other gods. They bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. But, you know, there's incredible promises to those who remember God. There's incredible promises to those who can keep alive in our lives the reality of what Jesus already did. See, one of the things is if we don't keep this stuff alive in our lives, you can fall prey to a religious spirit. And how that works is you don't, you, you know, God's blessed you. You come to a point of revelation and you realize, oh my goodness, could this really be as true as this is? Has God really given me every spiritual blessing in heavenly places? Does he really accept me as I am? Wow, this is too good to be true. And then you forget that and you start trying to earn to qualify and attain the very things that he's already given you. It's the tragic tale of humanity, actually, trying to become and get things that God wants to freely give us. And what happens when we forget that God's blessed us? We, we forget that it was God that brought us over. When we forget that it was his power, his grace, and his goodness, then you kind of open up your mind to these kind of subtle delusions that say, you know what, you're not quite what you think you are. God's really not that good. You're going to have to re-earn it, re-qualify for it, and that's just not true. In the book of Malachi, there's an interesting story where there's people, it's actually the same place where uh, God says to them, you know, you're cursed till they curse all of you because you don't tithe, and that's a totally different story. But the people are getting together, and they're saying to one another, what's the purpose of serving God? Why, why would we do that? Like, the wicked are prospering. People who don't give seem to have tons of money. What's the deal? What's the deal with that? And the Bible says that these people, uh, they're, they're grumbling and they're complaining. They've forgotten God. But then it says there's a group of people in the midst of that environment who got together. They feared the Lord. And it says that God wrote a book of remembrance about those people. And he said, in the nasty day, I'm going to deliver them. And they're going to be to me like a treasure and an inheritance. I'm going to spare them like a man spares his son. So not only do we remember God, but he's remembering us. There's incredible benefits to, to memory, to declaring things. And declaration is one of those ways that we can keep the memory of who God is and what he's done alive in our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about, declare. That's what we do when we do communion. I don't know if you know this or not, but in, in, uh, Paul said, in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup and the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. In what? In the remembrance of me. See, Jesus told us in the new covenant, maybe don't go pick up some stones and make a monument. Your neighbors might not appreciate I don't know. But he says, you know what, I, this is something that I want you to do. Do this in the remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, you declare the Lord's death until he comes. So memorial, memorializing Jesus, declaring what he's done, those two things go hand in hand. And there's something that are actually supposed to, part, be, uh, supposed to be a part of our everyday lives and a part of our life together as a community. That's why we do communion once a month to together remember, to together proclaim and declare. We're not fighting for the acceptance of God. We've got it, and we're celebrating it, and we're, we're going to enjoy it. We're not trying as a group of people trying to figure out how can we qualify for God to move amongst us. We're corporately coming together and saying, wow, Jesus has qualified us. I don't know if you experienced Jesus today. I don't know if worship, you felt the Holy Spirit. 
anything like that. I'll tell you what, you know, that's a free gift given to us by Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit was poured out by the Father because of what Jesus did for us. We're not corporately struggling to try to enter into this thing called revival or anything like that that is a, a, a thing that we attain. We're corporately trying to remember the fact and keep alive in our corporate remembrance the fact that Jesus did it all for us. That's a big part of declaration and preaching. It's not even to come up with new tips and tricks to a better life. It's to constantly keep in the remembrance, keep at the forefront of our mind. Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. He was raised from the dead, and I was included in that. Therefore, everything that he has and all that he is, I am. And I'm remembering it, and I'm declaring it. This is remembrance. This declaration was supposed to be something that's an integral part of our lives, something we're supposed to do, something that's supposed to stay close to us. He told Joshua, I said, you know, you're going to carry these things over with you, these memorial stones, and I want you to put them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. In other words, don't, don't put it off in your backyard. Don't put it in your front yard. Put it in your bedroom. Put it somewhere where you're going to see this constantly. Remember, let the remembrance of Jesus Christ and his finished work constantly be in front of you. Do it. Put it somewhere where you're going to remember it, basically. Don't forget and one of the ways, again, like I said, is declaration. The Bible says in Psalms 145, verse 4, One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty works. Psalm 911, Sing praises to the Lord which dwells in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. Declare among the people. Tell each other. That's why testimony is so powerful. That's why when we get together in small groups, and this is really cool. Like, I hope you're enjoying this. I hope I'm not boring you to death, but... One of the cool things about groups is you actually get to talk back. You know, we sit in a circle and we communicate with one another. And when we do that, we get to hear each other's story. And it's not that we all need to have, like, university degrees in theology or anything like that in order to have a positive contribution in group. What you need to do is have an experience with Jesus or just share your own personal hopes and dreams. Because you, as an embodied person, you are made in the image of God. And when you express yourself, you're expressing something powerful of who God is. And we all need to hear it. We all need to know it. We all need to experience it. When we get together and we tell each other our stories and we talk to each other about who God is in each of our lives, then we're remembering, we're declaring to each other. It says in uh, Revelation that the spirit of uh, prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. When you talk about him, when you talk about what he's doing and what he's done in your life, something of that spirit stirs up on the inside. All of a sudden, revelation starts to come. All of a sudden, the things that you've been dreaming for and hoping for that you see God do in somebody else's life, you can be like, yes, please, I'll have some of that. And all of a sudden, that gets activated in your life, too. I'm telling you, community, we got to be in community. we got to declare to one another, and you don't need one of these to declare things. you just got to show up. you just got to show up in relationships and be willing to talk about the goodness of God. Be willing to talk about your struggles. Because you know what? God's not just at the mountaintop and the valley. You know, he's everywhere. There's no space in our lives where God isn't. There's no thing you're going through in your life that's God forsaken. There's nothing broken about your life or your world where God's kind of decided, I'm going to step out of that one. That's a bit messy. He's there. He's there in all of it. So when you can talk about all of it, you're declaring the goodness of God. And by declaration, we keep the memory alive of what he's done. A couple things real quick about declaration. It's personal. When you declare the work of God, we're talking about what God's done for me. I'm owning this. I'm talking about my own personal experience with Jesus Christ. It's intentional. It's something we got to do on purpose. And it's generational. It invites other people in. So declaration is personal. 
In Joshua 4, verse 2 to 5, he said, Take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one from every tribe. And basically the idea here is that there's 12 people representative of the 12 tribes because God wanted to communicate to them, this includes everybody. Everybody's in on this. Everyone needs to see themselves as included in the finished work of Jesus and declare that over their lives. This is not something for one or two people. The salvation of God, the declaration of his goodness is not something that a few professionals do. This is something we all own. You know, he, he called us and he set us together that we might proclaim the, the, the works of God to one another and to the world out there. So it's something that we're all owning together. Psalm 73, 28 says, it's good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust. You're not getting saved because somebody else believes for you. You're not going to experience the, the power and the presence of God and appreciate the love of God for you just because somebody else does. It's something that we can all own. It's something that we can all have our own encounter with. I put my trust in the Lord that I might declare all thy works, that I can declare his works. We got to see, you know what? He tasted death for everybody, including me. This is for everybody. We need to just be completely convinced of this fact in our own selves own it personally, and then be able to apply it to everybody. There's not a person I meet in my week that Jesus didn't die for. Amen? There's not a single person out there whose sins are not forgiven. They might not know it. They not, might not be enjoying the benefit of it. They might not have received it and taken it personally yet. But how are they supposed to take it personally for themselves if I don't take it personally for them? How are people supposed to know you're forgiven if I don't treat them like they're forgiven? It's got to be personal. We get to all own it. And again, we got to know. You got to see this. John 5, verse 24. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will be not, not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. You got to own this. You have crossed over. You know, as much as we're all facing situations and circumstances in our lives that we want to transition into something better, do you know what the power for that transition is? It's realizing, releasing, and declaring the fact that the biggest transition of all has already happened. You've gone from death to life. You've gone from the curse to the blessing. You've gone from that uh, forsaken condition where it feels like God is not there, and you've been awakened to the reality that Jesus Christ has invaded every aspect of your life. That's something that's already happened, guys. And when you can lean into that, when you can remember it, when you can declare it and you make it alive in your life, that is going to be the power to help you get across the narrow transitions of our real world experience. You know, maybe you, you, you've got a, a bad relationship you need to transition out of. Maybe there's a job you want to transition into. Maybe there's a living situation you want to get out of and move into something else. Do you know where you get the strength and the power to do that is I've got the acceptance of God. I don't need the acceptance and approval of this person. Jesus has already proven that to me. I've already gone from that place of I'm disconnected and I feel disowned to I'm completely loved and belonged and totally accepted. And that empowers me to make the life transition when I realize I've already made that sort of metaphysical transition. The spiritual transition already happened. I transitioned from a mindset of uh, I'm sick, broken, and doomed to I'm blessed, I'm healed, and I'm whole when I realize that that's happened to me in Christ Jesus already. And then I start to make different life choices that align with the fact that actually I'm worth it. I deserve it. I should be over here. I shouldn't be on this side of the river. I should be on the other side. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to make that decision. I'm going to step out and I'm going to try that new job. 
I'm going to transition into a new place to live. I'm going to do that thing. But the energy, the source, the inspiration, the strength of all of it is realizing that in Christ, you've already moved. He's already moved you. Whatever impossible, impassable situation you believe you're facing, like I said, be it poverty, sickness, a demonic issue, a personal challenge, this is how you do it. You remember and you declare. The ark already went into the water. The water already parted. I already stepped onto the other side. And I'm not going to turn around and stare at that river and think it's a problem anymore. It's done. How does that work? Watch this. Poverty. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Did that happen? Yeah, it did, right? Like 2,000 years ago? Jesus did something for me already. And in my inclusion in him, that means that that's true for me. Some of us don't know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he became poor. That through his poverty, we might become rich. I, and that, that might be uncomfortable, but you know, God loves everything about us. He doesn't just love my soul. He loves my material being. And at the very least, he says, you know what, if I can look after the birds, I can look after you. So I mean, if, you, if, you, if that's an uncomfortable thing for you to hear, if that's just a little bit awkward, I'm telling you, just push into the fact God loves you, and he loves that aspect of your life too. And he wants you to prosper in that way as well. That's not a greedy preacher saying, you know what, give me your money. That's me talking about a God who loves you and wants to prosper and bless you. He wants to take you from one spot to another. Maybe it's sickness. 1 Peter 2.24 says, he himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross. By his stripes you have been healed. That's the confidence we prayed for Brother Ray's ear right there, by the way. By his stripes, that's already happened. Healing is part of the atonement. We're not doing a special little dance saying, God, give us power and do something mighty so that healing can happen. We're tapping into the fact that, you know what, on the cross, Jesus bore my sickness. It says in the Bible, Matthew chapter 8, he took our infirmities and bore our diseases. It was prophesied in Isaiah 53 that he would do this, and he actually did it for real at the cross. He bore in himself our sicknesses just as he bore our sins. If you're struggling with sickness, don't feel condemned. Don't feel like there's something wrong with you, but just know that there's a God who paid for that already. We can lean into that. We're not trying to get God to do something for us that he's, he's not already done. We've already crossed over. Maybe you feel like, man, my life is just awful. The devil's always getting me. There's something wrong in my family. There's just a, there's a generational problem. Everywhere I go, there's trouble being stirred up against me. But look at this. Look what happened to the devil already. John chapter 12, verse 31. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Do you know when that was? Jesus is talking about, I'm about to go to the cross. And he's saying, now in this moment. In this moment at the cross, that's when I'm going to deal with that guy. So any of his activity in our lives right now, he's an interloper. He's an intruder. He has no right. He walks about like a roaring lion, you know, intimidating and scaring all that he can. And yes, he does have the power to do some weird stuff, but only if we won't believe the truth about it. You know, Jesus went around and cast out devils and cast out demons who are actually doing real things. They were actually really hurting and afflicting people. So, I mean, it, it's not just in the realm of the mind. But Jesus brought the truth of God, and he said, you know what? I've actually born that in my body. You've no right to do that, so go. And that's the same conviction that you and I can have. If you feel like your life is being plagued by something mysterious, you said to yourself, I'm cursed. No, you're not. Speak over yourself and declare the blessing of God. Say, no, devil, get out of my life. 
You feel like there's something hounding you. There's something that happened in your generations. I don't know if this is for somebody specific right now, but there's something that happened in a, in a family member, and you've asked yourself and you've wondered, is this true for me too? Is it, am I doomed to go in the same way? And the answer is no. It says in Peter that he's redeemed us from the empty traditions of our fathers by the precious blood of the Lamb. Jesus' blood breaks that power off of our lives. So you can see now in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says that he has disarmed powers and authorities. Where? At the cross. At the cross. We got to remember it. If we don't remember it, we're not going to avail ourselves of its power. Our faith is going to be trying to get God to do something for us that he's already done. And the consequence of that is we don't actually walk in the confidence that what he's done should be manifesting in my life right now. Not because I'm an awesome person, not because I know how to manipulate spiritual laws or heavenly principles, but because I believe it. I just straight up believe it. I believe that what Jesus did, he did. I believe it's a done deal. Maybe there's something about yourself. Um, you know, you're kind of thinking, oh my goodness, I, I, I wish I could be more like this. I wish I could be less like that. Well, let me show you how this works this way as well. It says in Romans chapter 6 that we're meant to reckon ourselves as having died. And as a fact of that, we're supposed to offer ourselves to God as what? As those who have been brought from death to life. It's a done deal already. Therefore, because you have been brought from death into life, offer yourselves to God and know this, that because you're not under the law anymore, sin's not going to have dominion over your life. Peter said the same thing, just a little bit more long-winded. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, he's basically saying, you know, you know what, guys? It's great. You've got off to a good start. You've got faith. Now add to your faith goodness. Add virtue to your goodness. To, to goodness, add knowledge. To knowledge, add self-control. To self-control, add endurance. To endurance, add brotherly kindness. And to kindness, add brotherly love. He says, if these things are yours, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them, get this, if you don't have the increasing virtues of God in your life, if you feel like there's something in you that's not godly, that's not manifesting what you think is Christ-like, here's the problem. Whoever doesn't have these things is, well, it's a little bit harsh, but nearsighted and blind, forgetting they've not been cleansed from their past sins. If there's something going on inside of you that you don't, maybe you've got a problem with anger. Maybe you feel like you're an angry person. You're just like, I just want to get rid of this. I don't want to be angry anymore. Here's the key. Remember, he's already brought you from death to life. He's already moved you from a place where that has power to dominate your existence into a place where you're now free and you get to express the joy of the Lord. That transition already happened in your life. Don't forget it. Remember it. The problem is being blind and short-sighted. Not that there's anything wrong with me. It's that I'm not seeing something. And once I saw it, I forgot about it. So it's all about remembering. Declare these things to keep the remembrance of them alive in your life. Declaration. Just two more points and we'll go real quick. I promise. Declaration is intentional. Joshua chapter 4 verse 3. He commanded them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones. You carry them over. Isn't that funny? God just actually moved a river. That's a miracle. He took a river that was almost like a mile wide, and he moved it back on both sides, perhaps miles, who knows? I, I don't, he moved it all the way back to a place called Adam. He moved it. He moved a river. He could have moved the stones too, right? 
he could have picked up those rocks and made a monument for them and say, hey, guys, when you get to the other side, look at that thing so you always remember, but he didn't. He said, I want you to pick up the stones, and I want you to carry them over because remembrance and declaration is something that we have to do. It actually gets activated, and it does a, a greater work inside of us when we own it, and we apply ourselves, and we say, I will remember. Now, this generation of people who crossed over and they forgot, I don't think they forgot on purpose. I don't think the people of, of Israel were ungrateful in the sense that they decided, you know what, ah, no big deal. God moved the Red Sea. Yeah. He fed us with bread from heaven. He moved a big river. I don't know. No big deal. I don't think that was the case. I think it was, it was, it was accidental. Who knows that you can get busy in life? You know, you know, things just happen. I mean, in, in, in the, the normal course of life, things will just happen to you. And if you're not intentional about doing something, before you know it, there's just so much uh, energy. That, there's only really so much energy you got in a day, right? And if you're not intentional about stewarding it, then the demands and the, the hassles of life will just encroach upon you to such a point where before you know it, you haven't owned your day. You spent your whole time responding to something instead of proactively doing something, and everything's gone. And that same principle works in our lives. It also works in the way that we think. I, I did find a study. You can access it here online if you want, if you want to look at the notes online. But basically some scientific people, some psychologists and neuropsychologists, these people have said, you know what, there's only so much of this thing called working memory. There's only so many things you can keep in your consciousness at one time. And if you're not intentional about it, then <laughs> you're just going to be a victim of whatever shows up in your head that day. That's why the Bible says you take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We, there's something proactive about it, and that's not works. Do you know where the strength and the energy for that comes from? It was from the Derive Sermon series. It was where I realized I've been raised up together with Christ, and now there is an inner impulse inside of me that's saying, you take hold of all the things that I've given you. I've given you all things for life and godliness. Through what? Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He's given me all things already, and there's a power at work inside of me saying, Zach, you rise up in your spirit. Stir yourself up. Take hold of these things. Stir the gift inside of you. You lay hold of eternal life. You do this. It's an intentional thing that you and I have been brought into, and it's something that we must do personally and purposefully. I, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. I'm owning this thing for myself. The faith of the Lord Jesus Christ comes into me. In my new birth, something is inspired on the inside of me. But at some point, his faith becomes my faith, and I start to speak. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Believe it. Declare it. Speak it out. I mean, Jesus said, if you don't, the rocks will, but you're the one who's going to be missing out. Those rocks are going to be blessed. And finally, guys, declaration is generational. God said, you know, this, this, this monument here, it's meant to be a sign among you for your children when they ask in times to come. And you're able to tell them, this is what God did for us. And that's what God wants for us too. Psalm 22, verse 31, he says, they shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that God has done this. This is a big deal to God. Being able to declare the works of God from one generation to the next, that is a really big deal. You know, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not just the God of one generation. He's the God of all three. He's the God of all of them. That means that what God wants for us is to be involved in a relationship with him in a way that takes consideration for the generation after us. And that doesn't mean that it's just directed at people who have kids. It means that in everything we do, we're thinking generationally. 
if you don't have kids, you can think generationally by this fact. You can say, I want to get involved in a group, with a group of people. I want to get involved with a church. I want to get involved in a movement that has consideration for what comes after the people who are currently residing in that movement. We can be part of something that says, you know what, I actually, what we're doing together, you guys, I, personally, right now, I pray and I hope that what we're doing today has an impact, a knock-on effect on people 100 years from now. I don't just want to die and pass something on to my kids. I want my kids to learn how to pass on the faith to their kids. I don't just want to be involved in something that's even directly related to my family, but is impacting this community for, you know, years and generations to come. That's why it's so important just to, you could get your end times theology right, too. So I'll tell you what, the purpose of God is he's coming back here. He's coming here. We're not all taken off. So if you've got a view of the world that says, you know, in 50 years from now, Jesus is coming, it's all going to get burnt up, nothing's going to get left. I don't know what to say. <laughs> but the Bible says Jesus is coming and he's bringing his saints with him. And he's going to rule and he's going to reign on this earth and on this planet. That means we got to think generationally. we got to think thousands of years out. Crazy, eh? But that's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who we so worship today. So we want to think generationally. We want to do this. We, we don't want to just get good at telling our story. We want to be able to tell the story of what God's done in our lives in a way that invites other people into it. And when generations fail to pass something on from one to the next, it's not that they forgot the stories. It's that they didn't tell the story in a way that invited other people into it. You know, you can hear a story where you're saying, hey, God did this, God did that. You know, I can read the history books. I can do all that kind of stuff. But what good is that story if you're not also giving me an on-ramp into my own experience with that and the opportunity to carry that on with me? What good is it for me to be able to tell somebody about Jesus but not give them the on-ramp into a personal relationship with him? So we're going to declare the goodness of God. We're going to declare his, his glory. We're going to declare what he's done for us. And it's always going to be with this in mind. You can have this too. This is not just for me. This is not just for us. This is not just for my generation. But I can remember what God has done in a way that's going to bless other people, invite the next generation in, and equip them to invite the next generation after them into it. So let's not that, that tragic story of the Israelites. They crossed over, guys. There is a transition coming. We're on the precipice of something big in our corporate world together. I hope you feel it. I hope that resonates deeply inside of you. As, as, as somebody who's been placed in the body of Christ, Jesus takes people and he puts them in a church. And you've been placed into a church because God wants something for you in that church. You have a contribution to make and you have something to receive. That's how that works. We all need that. And something that's happening in this body is transition. We're in a little boot camp. And oftentimes when you place yourself in a church, you're going to find that those same dynamics of the corporate life are being worked out in your personal life as well. We're on the precipice of transition. We're on the precipice of something big. And let's remember that what it's built on is built on the foundation of who Jesus is and what he's done. Let's together commit that we're not going to forget it. We're going to declare it. We're going to declare it to ourselves. We're going to be personal about it. We're going to find and own our own place in it. We're going to be intentional to remember that all that we are, all that we have, and all that we're ever going to be going forward comes out of who he is and what he's done. We're going to be a church that's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and what he did. We're going to remember it. We're going to proclaim it. We're going to declare it. We're not going to move away from it, and we're going to be generational about it. We're going to do it in a way with an eye on what's coming next. Amen?
We can do that. It's not going to be said of us that we're that generation that forgot. We're not, we're not going to be followed by people who don't know. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is here to revive dreams, to revive vision, and to remind you of his goodness, to remind you of what he's done in the past. His faithfulness, he's faithful. He's done it before. He'll do it again. Amen. Amen.